Hello. Welcome to this edition of Impact, where we share your remarkable stories of faith. You know, we proclaim and believe in the scripture of the great prophet Isaiah when he declared in chapter 12, verse 4, Thank the Lord. Praise His name. Tell the world, yes, tell the world of His wondrous love and how mighty He is. So stay with us and be inspired as we hear amazing stories that are sure to impact your walk with Christ. You won't want to miss today's program. And now, here's your host, Mike Gonzalez. And once again, welcome to this edition of Impact, where we share your amazing stories of faith. On this program, we believe that your story of transformation through Jesus Christ can touch many lives. For more information on Impact Stories of Faith, visit us at impactministrysa.org. And now, our featured story of the week is Anthony San Miguel. Anthony, welcome to Impact, and I know that our listeners are in for an amazing story. In 2004, Anthony San Miguel was engulfed with all Alcoholism. As a result, Anthony's life would spiral out of control and Anthony's path of destruction would land him in jail. Anthony, take us back to 2004. Yes, Mike. Well, thank you. A week prior to the recording of today's program, I celebrated 14 years without a drink of alcohol. And I remember a time in my life when I couldn't go four hours without a drink of alcohol. On August 26 of 2004, I walked into court very drunk for sentencing and I chugged two courts on my way to my court date that morning and then I got sentenced to a total of seven months three months of which I would be in a treatment facility and up until that time literally I stayed drunk for years of my life I woke up drunk not with a hangover but drunk I had to drink on my way to work I would chug shot of tequila have a few cans of beer on my way to work, show up to work, very drunk. Then at lunchtime, I'd leave work and drink and buy some beer for my way back to work. This is literally what the way I lived my life. And then I would leave work and then it was time for the real drinking to begin every night. And so I lived that way for many years. And guess what my dad was? Well, my dad was a pastor. Obviously, I wasn't living the life they had uh, raised me to live, and I wasn't living the way they had taught me the Bible showed me to live, but that's the way I lived, and it was a routine. I would wake up in the morning. I had to get to the restroom because my stomach was churning. I had to get there in time so that all the bile and the yellow, sticky, slimy stuff would come out. Sometimes there were specks of tar and foamy, disgusting stuff. Puke it out brushed my teeth, and then it was the shot of alcohol and the cans of beer on my way to work. And I lived that way for, for many years. And I remember sometimes I looked down at my stomach and I was bloated. I had a beer belly. And I remember sometimes feeling sorry for myself and thinking, well, I'm going to die of cirrhosis of the liver. And I happened to have a daughter at that time who I love. And I felt bad, but I did not possess the power within me to, to stop. I mean, it was, it, it, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. I remember one time I tried to stay sober, you know, for love of my daughter. I tried to stay sober and I said, I'm not going to drink. I'm going to, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to leave my daughter fatherless. So I actually got three and a half days of sobriety. I white knuckled it three and a half days without alcohol. And by the end of that fourth day, I said, forget this. I'm happier drunk. And so I just said to myself, well, at least when I die of cirrhosis, I'll be very drunk. 
So I continued to drink. And, um, and, and, and that was my life. And then, of course, there was a lot of drugs involved. I, I did a lot of drugs. This is the way it was up until that court date, August 26, 2004. I got sentenced to a four months, day for day, 120 days, and then 90 days at the treatment facility. And I stayed drunk. And I'll tell you what, Mike, I remember that if you had told me one of these is going to be true of your life, Anthony, you're going to be sober for 14 years or you're going to levitate 10 feet off the ground. I would have said, "Woohoo! I'm going to levitate. Can't wait. Because there was no way I was going to be sober. That just wasn't going to happen. I couldn't imagine life without alcohol. As, as much as there were times when I didn't want to drink because I knew I was killing myself, I could not imagine it. I mean, what was I supposed to do when I was happy and wanted to celebrate? What was I supposed to do when I was sad and depressed? What was, what was I supposed to do when I was watching the fight or watching a game or when we went fishing? or you know, What was I supposed to do? Just because I just could not imagine life without alcohol. I needed to have it. And so that's the way I lived. And alcohol became your God. It dominated your life, Anthony. And as a result, alcohol was part of your everyday life. Tell us more about how that affected your daughter. Well, I mean, my daughter saw a lot of things that she shouldn't have seen. Thank God. Praise God. I now have four children that have never seen daddy drunk. But my my first daughter saw me drunk and, um, it didn't matter where I went. If we, if I took her to the movies as a little girl, I had to sneak alcohol in. If I took her to the park, I was drinking. Daddy was always drinking. There, I had a can of beer in my hand, and I was always drunk. And and that's that's and she just accepted Daddy as a drunk, an alcoholic. I don't think she doubted that I loved her, and I know she loved me. But Daddy was a drunk. We just talked about it last week. When I made fourteen years without alcohol, how she was so happy that her brother and sisters didn't see the same daddy that she grew up seeing. And so it absolutely affected her. But um, she's seen the transformation, the powerful transformation that God, when he reached down and intervened in my life and, and made all the difference. Because I remember thinking, what happens if I do get sober? I mean, how am I going to live life without alcohol? Am I, am I going to have to avoid the beer aisle at HEB because I'm going to want it so bad? Am I going to be able to eat at Chili's because they have a bar and people are going to be drinking? And am I going to be, you know, is it going to be such a temptation that I have to stay away? And and that's the kind of limit that I placed on God that, he, that, that that's the way my life would be. And it turns out there was nothing like that. I mean, the desire to drink completely left. I mean, even in the difficult, the hard time, it's, it's gone. He's taken it away. And so he, you know, he worked that miracle that was even harder to work beyond that. The whole levitation analogy that I gave you before, I mean, right. it just wasn't going to happen. And, but it, it did. We know that through the power of Jesus Christ, that he transforms our lives. And we're going to talk about that transformation process in your life through the power of Jesus Christ in more detail in a few minutes. But I want to go back just a little bit. When you were a full-fledged alcoholic, using drugs, and then getting ready to be sentenced to jail. And then you mentioned that on your way to sentencing, you were even drinking before then. Talk to us more about that. I hated to be sober, and I love to be drunk. I know that it sounds like the same thing, but it isn't. I really hated to be sober. Sober meant that I had to feel things. I had to think about things. I needed, I had, that I would experience life, and I hated that. So I loved being drunk, because when I was drunk, I didn't care. I didn't care. And I know it, it stemmed from a time in childhood as a young child. I was a very scared young child. When I was a little boy, I remember being taught about God and the devil. Obviously, my dad was a pastor. And I think that 
in my mind, the power of the devil was emphasized way more than the power of God. I mean, God, I didn't understand that God actually was all powerful, almighty and omnipresent and omnipotent. But in my mind, the devil was everywhere and behind everything. So I was such a fearful child. I mean, I was I was scared of the little boys at church. So I would go to church and I'd be intimidated by the little boys at church. And there came a point where I decided I'm tired of this. I'm not going to be scared anymore. And I made a resolution in my life. I was around 14 years old. I made a resolution and I said, I'm not going to be scared anymore. I'm not going to be scared of God. I'm not going to be scared of the devil. I'm not going to be scared of any person. If a person tells me something I don't like, I'm going to push them. If a person pushes me, I'm going to punch them. If a person punches me, I'm going to stab or shoot them. And I began to live out that resolution at that age. And then eventually I uh, met a cousin that I hadn't talked to in years. And he was in a gang. And I joined the gang that he was in. And I continued that path. I started to drink on weekends a lot with the gang. Then I started to drink every day with the gang. And pretty soon it was the drugs. And then it was all the things that gang members did or do. I sold drugs. I stole a lot of cars. I did a lot of rotten things. I crossed a lot of lines that people wouldn't cross even my fellow gang member friends but being drinking and being drunk was central to all that i had to be drunk if i was i mean when i was drunk i just didn't care mm-hmm. i wasn't scared i didn't care nothing mattered i just needed to stay drunk be drunk drink while i'm drunk and i mean i couldn't eat i couldn't sleep I couldn't take a shower. I mean, I know this sounds ridiculous now, but I couldn't have a conversation unless I was drunk and drinking. I absolutely I had, to, had to take a can of beer with me to go take a shower. If I wasn't very drunk, I wasn't hungry enough to eat. I had to be drunk. So that was central to everything else, all the other destructive behavior that I did. Alcohol, I needed to be drunk. Right. And you mentioned to me in the interview of your story that alcohol dominated your life. It absolutely did. Yeah, and that's a powerful statement, Anthony, that it took over your life completely. And it began the spiral process, the spiraling out of control in your life. Now, Anthony, when we come back after this short message, we're going to share the transformation process that would begin in your life through the power of Jesus Christ, that your life would be resurrected and that this alcoholism in your life would be no more. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this short message. Thank you for joining today's edition of Impact, where we share your remarkable stories of faith. If you have a faith-based story to tell or you'd like to share your story online, simply email Mike Gonzalez at impactstories.faith at gmail.com. That's impactstories.faith at gmail.com. On this program, we believe that your story of transformation through Jesus Christ can touch many lives. Today's program is sponsored by Sammy's Mexican Restaurant in Lavernia, Texas, where they have delicious breakfast and lunch specials to include my favorite, their great-tasting carne guisada. Come to Sammy's Mexican Restaurant located at 13520 U.S. Highway 87 in Lavernia, Texas, just 30 minutes southeast of San Antonio, and see for yourself why they're the best Mexican restaurant in Lavernia. 
In addition, Impact is also sponsored by Crisp Realty Incorporated. Are you looking to buy your dream home or sell your home in the Wilson County area? Then call Crisp Realty Incorporated for the friendliest and most professional realty agents in all of Wilson County and surrounding areas. For more information and dedicated assistance, call Crisp Realty Incorporated at 830-253-1009 or go to crisprealtyinc.com. That's C-R-I-S-P, realtyinc.com. And we're back with Anthony San Miguel, who in 2004 was engulfed with alcoholism. As a result, Anthony's life would spiral completely out of control. However, Anthony would have a transformation process through the power of Jesus Christ. Anthony, walk us through that transformation process through Jesus Christ. So, Mike, I was sitting in the Bear County Jail and had been sentenced to uh, to. 120 days of TDC time and then 90 days in a treatment facility. And my, my cellmate happened to be in the same gang I had been in. And he was the inmate that, that was running the pod there. there, there there's a, there's always an inmate or maybe there's a handful that are running each pod. And he was running the pod that I was in when I first got sentenced. And I got a visit from my attorney. And he said, Anthony, the judge messed up on the sentencing guidelines. So you're going to stay here in town. You're going to serve your 120 days in the county jail and then go to the the 90-day treatment facility in town. I still don't understand all that happened. Don't know. All I knew is that at that moment, God was intervening. I knew I was at a crossroads. On one hand, my cellmate, we called him Selly. He was telling me all the things we were going to do when we got out together, all these things we were going to uh, do that criminals like to do. And on the other hand, this thing just happened. And so I was going to, I knew God was intervening. And my parents were praying for me. The church was praying for me. So I was at a crossroads. So after uh, the judge, I went to see the judge again. And he changed the sentencing to the 120 days in, in county as opposed to TDC. And so after that, I got moved to a less risky pod. I was no longer going to go to TDC, so I was going to spend my time there. And so when I was moved, I think I spent this, the, the most amount of time in that second pod. But I'm sitting there in jail, and I remember that a lot of the men were fighting in, in jail, a lot of the fighting happens because of gambling. People are gambling. They're sitting around. They're gambling their lunch trays or dessert trays, uh, whatever it is, the ramen noodles from the commissary. And sometimes somebody will decide they're not going to pay the ramen noodles that they lost in the gambling game. And so then there would be a fight. And I remember hearing often somebody telling somebody else, well, man up. In other words, you know, let's fight or give me the ramen noodles. And I remember thinking to myself, a real man would be outside taking care of his family. And here we are fighting over ramen noodles. And I remember it made me sick. And, and, and I started to become disgusted with myself. And so it happened that way for a while. And God was really putting his thumb on my, on my, on my, on my life. I could feel him putting his thumb on my head. And I got transferred to a different pod. And this was PATCH. It stands for Papas and Their Children. And in this pod, you get contact visit with your children. And so my daughter would come visit me on Fridays. And, and I'll tell you what, Mike, there in Patch, my life was really changed. There you have more opportunities to go to the, to the church services. You get in contact with your children. And God was working on me. The church was praying for me. And there was one week there, sometime around the end of November. I had already been there maybe three months I had been in jail. I still had a little over a month to go. And there was a week where I had no celly. I had no cellmate. I was in my cell the whole week alone every night, which is a highly unusual thing because the jail is always crowded, but God was doing something. And I had a conversation with God one night. I mean, I was literally yelling and screaming in my jail cell. I'm sure that people on either side of my cell could hear me 
yelling and screaming and fighting God and saying, but God, I don't know. What am I, what's going to happen if I get out of here? I was scared to ask God to help me. I, um, I, I literally thought at the time that there was only two options. I knew God could help me. I knew he had the power, but I thought his only options were one, keep me locked up forever so I won't drink or number two, just take my life because those are the only two options God had to stop a person from me like drinking. And so I limited God. At the end of that week one night, I was on my face yelling and screaming, and I said, look, God, I don't know what you're going to do, and I'm scared, but I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you for who you say you are. And it felt like I had just, I was at the edge of a cliff, and I took a step off, not knowing where my foot was going to land, but that's the way I trusted God. And I surrendered to him that day. And I'll tell you what, the Bible says in John that, as many as received Jesus, speaking of Jesus, that as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And I emphasize the word power in that verse because that's what I got. Before that, my desires, I didn't want to leave my love for my daughter. Not even that was powerful enough to keep me sober. But when I got Jesus that night in jail, when I surrendered to him and accepted him for who he said he was, the power came and I became a son of God that at that moment. And since then, he's changed the way I think, the way I felt. And so then I still had another month to go there. And then I served the three months in the treatment facility. And God continued to work in my life now as his son, as a child. I now had I now had the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit living in me. And I remember a weird thing happened that, that I wasn't used to. But I actually started to care for people. I remember I started to care for the other inmates. I remember I started to care for, a, I, I felt, really repentant for what I had done and my parents, how I had put them through the things that put them through my daughter. I remember it wasn't, uh, I started praying every night. Literally, I would, it's, I, I would pray for an hour there in my cell. Then it became two hours. It became three hours. There were nights where, where whoever was my, my cellmate at the time, we would talk, he'd go to sleep. He'd wake up two or three hours later and I would still be praying. And he would say, you're still there praying. Yeah, I was still praying. I would I would pray for three hours a lot of nights for the people there in the cell. I started to care, and I before that I didn't care for anybody. I didn't even care for myself. He transformed that. your life, Anthony, completely. He really did. Yes, and today you're stronger than ever before. That your life has completely been transformed from alcoholism to the Savior loving on you, and today being a different person. I know you mentioned to me. That you've been sober. Tell us a little bit about that. Since then, God has changed me. And you know what's weird, and I know a lot of people won't relate to this, but there will be a lot of people that will. But after I got sober and God started to put my life together, I remember the feeling of the first time that I got paid and still had a little bit of money left over from the previous check. That just didn't happen. Things right. like that just did not happen. And, you know, it was just such a strange thing. But, you know, God came and he scooped me out from where I was and he put me on solid rock and made all the difference. Tell us very quickly, what advice do you have for the folks listening today? Those who are battling alcoholism or those who are in prison today, listening to your story today. Those at the Bear County Jail or perhaps you're at the Hondo Torres in Hondo, Texas or in the Floresville facility in Floresville, Texas. What advice do you have for those folks today? A lot of inmates know the Bible really well. I know that I did. My, my, like I said, my dad was a pastor. But just that biblical knowledge within itself is not enough. It's not enough. I knew the Bible. I could give people the gospel. I could debate theology. But until I surrendered my life to Jesus, 
none of that made a difference. It was just knowledge. I knew all about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know Jesus until I surrendered my life to him there in the county jail, and I got the power. I was born again. And so that's my advice to you. If you know the Bible and you know what it says and you know that Jesus died for you and you know who he says he is and you believe that, that is great. But until you personalize it and surrender and receive him for who he says he is, this verse right here, John, the one that I quoted, it's in John 1, 12 says, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. That doesn't apply to you until you receive him personally for yourself and surrender your life to him. And you know what? It's scary. I remember I was scared and you may be scared too, but that's where you trust him. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith means I can't see it. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe I'm a little scared, but I'm going to trust you anyway. And that's what I did. And that's what made all the difference in my life, Mike. And know that he loves you and me. The creator of the universe died for each and every one of us and that he loves us. And that he wants to have that special relationship with you as well. Anthony, thank you for being with us on Impact to share your amazing story. And if you, our listeners, would like to have a transformation like Anthony in your life through Jesus Christ, then simply say this powerful prayer with me with all of your heart. God, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, as the savior of the world. And I confess that I am a sinner. And I ask that you forgive me and come into my life and make me new. If you said this prayer and have an amazing story to share or a comment, then visit us at impactministrysa.org. That's impactministrysa.org. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Mike Gonzalez. We hope you'll join us next time for another amazing story you won't want to miss. God bless you. Thank you for joining our program, Impact, where your testimonies are heard around the world. Please join us next week for another wonderful edition of Storytelling. Until then, God bless you. And remember, share your stories to impact those around you. And let us all go out as Jesus did and change our world. Hello, I'm Mike Gonzalez. And on behalf of our ministry team, we'd like to salute and thank our service members for their service to our country. And thank you for listening to Impact Stories of Faith.
is good.